Hello and welcome to Ismi and Conversation. This is a podcast all about advice for leaders of independent businesses. My name is Ed Palmer and I'll be asking our guests for the best pieces of advice that they've ever received as well as the worst. They'll also be sharing practical and implementable tips and advice for business leaders. On this episode, we have Donna Banfield of EZEC Consulting, providers of consultancy services, including leadership development, career coaching, and assessments. And we're going to be discussing all of that, plus what every business needs to consider when it comes to employee retention and cohesion. So with that in mind, hello, Donna. Welcome. Please tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Hi Ed. Okay, so I've been uh, the Managing Director of EZEC Consulting for three years and I've been in the talent sector for about 10, which might not actually seem that long. I came into it quite late because when I was younger, I didn't really have a, a career plan. I actually wanted to get into fashion and my parents wouldn't let me. Uh, my dad wanted me to be in the RAF because he used to fly a plane. So he wanted me to do that. And at 15, I had no interest in that when I was leaving school. So I kind of floated around with jobs for quite a while, to be honest with you. But coming back round to it, I think, bizarrely, I think it came from my parents that I ended up throwing myself into the role when the opportunity came working in the talent sector. Because when I was younger, my mum used to study astrology and she used to make me sit down and go through it all with her. And we weren't going into like the bit with the horoscopes, you know, when it tells you what you're doing, you know, this is going to happen on X day because you're this star sign. But it was more going into the different traits that people are born with. And I think that kind of embedded in me the real interest in the nature side of nature nurture with psychology, you know, that you can be born with preferences. I find that absolutely fascinating. So like I said, when I ended up in an industry where you dive into that more, I I threw myself into the role and, and got heavily involved. And it's something that I've stayed with. It's really interesting. When we chatted before the podcast and you suggested there might be a link between astrology and talent and and business and I thought how can that be but now it's clear as day it's around personality types and how to deal with different person that not deal with that's the how to um well yes it is it's um you would have a different approach with different people you need to have a different approach with different people with different personality types because they all receive information differently and perceive things differently so no that's kind of the right way to to phrase it Brilliant. Okay. So what exactly does EZEC Consulting do? So we support businesses in the field of talent management. So helping them to attract and retain the top people that they can, basically. So it helps businesses um, attract and retain the best talent. I understand that. So this next question might sound a little bit silly, but how does that benefit businesses? Ultimately, if they get it right, it's going to save them money and make them more money. Um, They're not going to be spending their time finding, replacing people, retraining people. If they've got the the people that they've developed and that they've they've spent their time and effort in with, they're going to be more productive. So it's making you more money and it's not costing you the money (laughs) finding and developing them all over again. I've been talking to people more and more about Gen Z and the, the new generation coming through into the workplace and how Older managerial roles don't necessarily know how to motivate and engage this new generation because they want something a little bit different. So this understanding of human personality traits 
is almost more relevant now than it ever has been. Yes and no. So it is more relevant now, but for probably different reasons than Gen Z, to be honest with you. Gen Z would be more stuff that's sort of the nurture side of things. So things that have happened and that they've experienced through their life and things that they know that are going on in the world that would be influencing them. So the flexible working, you know, an expectation more or less nowadays, whereas it was almost unheard of before. Businesses that care about the environment, things like that. Those are, you know, things that are going on now rather than something that you're born with. But then the the personality traits are equally, but for different reasons, really important right now too. That's brilliant. That's clear. Thank you. Okay, so brief deviation. This podcast is all about advice. Is Me and Co, the platform, is all about finding ideal business advice, uh, advice from people like you, Donna. So can you please tell us the first piece of great advice that you've ever received that you've got lined up for this podcast? It's a bit of a funny one. I think you probably get quite a few funny ones, but it was probably some advice given to me by a doctor many years ago. And I was in a role that I'd been in for about seven years and I was just constantly ill. I'm not talking about it wasn't affecting my mental health. I was just run down. I constantly had a cold. I was constantly ill. And she said to me, you need to leave your job. It's making you ill. And I hadn't really associated that that might actually be the case. But when I sat down and thought about it, she was absolutely right. When I'd started working for the firm, it was much smaller. And as they grew and grew and grew, the culture changed massively, but it had happened slowly. And so I still enjoyed my job, but the environment I was in wasn't very healthy for me. I suppose there was a mental side of that as well, but it was coming out physically rather than me feeling distressed and stuff. And it was a really scary thing to do to leave a role when you've got absolutely nothing else lined up. But I took the advice and and literally gave my notice and left without anything else to go to. So like I said, it was really scary, but ultimately that's put me on my path to where I am now. It wasn't a career I was in. It was just a job that I enjoyed, whereas now I have a career. So ultimately, that was a wonderful piece of advice that they gave me, you know. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Not only from that medical perspective about how psychological stress or anxiety or whatever it is can affect our medical well-being, but also that all founders kind of have their founder's story, don't they? The, the point at which they set off on a path to create a business and where it's taken them. And I guess that was it for you, because very often it can be a moment of mini crisis that, that triggers a, a founder's story. Absolutely, absolutely. So Donna, let's talk about retention. It's a huge issue for big organisations. Why is it important? It's a bit of a warning sign if you're losing people, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, let's face it. You'll obviously always lose some people due to career progression. That's going to happen. But, you know, if you're constantly having to find and replace and train new people, it's like I said, you're never going to have the most effective people and you're never going to have the most productive teams. You're going to be constantly at the starting point and just keep going round and round in circles instead of moving forward. And like I said, this costs a huge amount of time and money as well. So you want to keep hold of those people that you've put that effort in with. And how does Isaac and what you do help with retention? So there's multiple ways. It's it's all of the services we provide, basically, but they're all around development, essentially, with people. So we start it at the very beginning. You need to start as you mean to go on with your employees. So effective onboarding. It's so, so important. That first impression someone has when they start with the firm, you want them engaged from day one. 
and to feel like they're part of the firm and they know what is going on and you're all headed in the right direction, you're being looked after. Some firms kind of give an initial bit of training and, and then they're sort of left to deal with it from there. So we recognised this as a problem and designed an onboarding 360 assessment. So it's to support the process. It's not to replace the process. It's done at about 12 weeks into employment. So once they've had a time to sort of settle in, it looks and feels much like a regular 360, but it's actually based on the different behaviours and competencies that are needed for successful integration into a new role. It's really, really helpful for people, even more so when they're working remotely. They might not be aware of behaviours that might not be, they're, they're not particularly wrong, but they're not in line with the culture of the business, things like that. So it helps pull things out before they actually become an issue. So potential issues before they become them. But it also helps them really understand their successes as well. So you can really applaud those successes with them. That really engages people and starts them on their development journey with the business. One of the other things we do is leadership development coaching. And that always actually incorporates psychometric testing as well. That's useful for both the coach to get an insight, but to create the self-awareness with the individual. We also do bespoke 360 assessment that can be sitting alongside our coaching or with some internal coaching with the business. Ours is slightly different from a regular 360 because we wanted to make sure it's an actual development tool rather than just a feedback process. So with that, we incorporate a workbook to help them identify where they want to develop. And then we carry out a follow-up assessment so we can actually measure the improvement for them as well. Then lastly, we do LINK, which is a star survey tool, which is to measure cohesion and engagement within teams. So again, much like our 360, it's not like a standard engagement survey in that we've, again, we've thought about the what now, what do we do once you've actually run the survey? We get so much feedback from people that they've got a ton of data and they just don't know what to do with it. And is it actually telling them what they need to do? So this one doesn't measure benchmarks and response rates because what do they actually tell you? What does it mean if you've got a 70% engagement rate? What about the other 30%? Where is that 30%? And what is that 70% that you're doing well? And what is the 30% you're doing bad? So we've simplified it with the data. So it's something you can actually work with to identify the trends and where you need to improve and where you're succeeding. And then we provide workbooks. So the team leaders can actually work with their reports and come up with a development plan. So it turns it into a developmental tool rather than something that's a strategy piece for HR to try and identify things that might be problems business-wide when quite often they're not, they're team-wide. And then once those have been implemented, we then reassess again so we can measure improvement within those teams. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Quick question about the 360 test that you talked about when people are coming on board in an organisation. So it's a onboarding 360 to gauge how people are coping with the onboarding or how people are settling in is that right so yeah it's basically it's around the behaviors and competencies various different ones so how they're working in the team and their communication and things like that so 360 is basically receiving feedback from all different levels so from your manager from your colleagues, from your direct reports. So you're getting feedback at all those different levels at how your behavior is perceived 
So like I said, it might be that you think you're doing everything great. But like I said, if you're in a remote working environment, it might be that some people don't think you're communicating well with them. So it pulls out these little things that they might not be consciously aware of and brings them to the front of their mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and people ever anxious about receiving those the results of those tests? Not really. And most people actually kind of look forward to it, to be honest with you. But I think it's all in the delivery of the report, how someone will receive the information. You have to make it very clear to someone that if there's just the odd comment here or there, which aren't necessarily positive, it's not a trend. It's not a theme. If something's coming through as a theme, so regularly people are saying that there's a problem in an area, then there's a problem in an area. If it's just one or two, then it's not something that you probably need to focus on on a developmental thing. Do you deliver those results or do you train or not the people within an organisation to deliver those results back? To both, the- both, yeah. So so we can do it on behalf of the business or they can do it internally with their HR. They're very easy to interpret. It's like I said, it's just making sure that the delivery is done correctly. But we also have an issuing note that goes with it explaining all of this as well beforehand. Brilliant. Thanks, Donna. Okay, so you mentioned um, virtual working there and hybrid working. Has the introduction of almost universal virtual or hybrid working in an office environment, in a corporate environment, made the need for testing and understanding personality traits more important? Definitely helpful to understand your team members. So some examples I could give to you would be um, some people work really well in teams they need to feel like they're part of a team and they need to collaborate with someone like literally be working alongside them other people will completely thrive on working on their own but then maybe they're not communicating well with the people that are team players so you need to kind of have an understanding of that and an awareness of that to be working out the the hybrid or remote setup that you've actually got or then another example you might have someone that's got a very high emotional restraint, which is much like most traits, everything will have a positive and everything will have a negative. So having high emotional restraint can be great. But the downside on that is you can hold it all in if you're stressed, if you've got negative emotions going on. And if you're working in a remote environment and you're not aware that someone is that way, you might not be checking in with them in a way that you might need to if they were face to face, it might be slightly more visible. So there's lots and lots of different things like that, that certainly for a manager, but also for for entire teams to have a general awareness of people's traits is really, really useful. Okay, so let's move to the second piece of great advice, if you please. We heard uh, about your doctor who advised you to leave your job and that triggered the start of your entrepreneurial business career. So the second piece of great advice that you've received, if you please. Do you know, I don't know who this came from or where I learned it, but I think probably one of the best things is to always look at the bigger picture. It might have come from my parents, I'm not sure. But for some reason, I always look at the bigger picture. So I'm actually a great mediator and at rationalising stuff. So because I always look at both sides of a story or what the other side of a story could potentially be, it does mean if you want to come and slag someone off to me... (laughs) You're not going to get anywhere (laughs) because I'll always say, well, have you considered X, Y, Z? So like I said, I don't know where I learned it from, but it 
it helps me as well with with my rationalizing of things I, I mean i completely agree with that and certainly from a business perspective i think that stuff's really really important in terms of building an effective organization donna how do you market what you do how do you make businesses aware of the effectiveness of what you do well, obviously, we're part of Ismi and Co community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I do actually meet lots of connections on there, particularly because we actually provide our tools, all of our assessment type tools, so the 360, the onboarding link, to HR consultants or coaches that want to add that to their toolkit with their clients, as well as us providing directly to our own clients. So somewhere like the Ismi and Co community is actually really great for that. And they haven't asked me to say that. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't believe a word <laughs> of it. I really haven't. Um, we also get referrals, which is really great. And that's always positive. And we utilise LinkedIn a lot to get the word out there about what we're doing. So you typically work directly with an HR department within an organisation as your first port of call. Correct, yeah. Okay, then. Let's move slightly from retention to cohesion. Although I know a lot of the pain points for those two things are, are similar. For a start, what does cohesion mean in a business context? So it's basically when teams feel connected and they're all driven to achieve a common goal. So basically without cohesion, they won't function effectively and successfully. It's, it's as simple as that. And, and, how, and how do you help build that cohesion? Okay, so you need to make sure within the teams there's open communication and trust. You need to make sure that all of the individuals understand their goals at all levels, so individually, as a team, and as a business, you need to make sure you've got the right people in the right role. So you're actually utilising the skill sets effectively of people. Offering training and development. So not just in areas that need improving, but also helping people really excel at things that they do best. So you've got the best of the best. So a lot of the time, people think of development for areas that you're not doing well in, but it should equally be going to push you and make you even better at what you're great at. Celebrate successes. Everybody loves a pat on the back, don't they? It doesn't need to be financially, but just acknowledgement and recognition, you know? If there's any conflicts, trying to deal with them as a team. If you find solutions for things as a team, if you've come up with those solutions, you're more likely to be in with that aren't you you're involved you're part of it so it will strengthen all the relationships there and then there's the obvious team building activities you need to even more now than ever make sure those teams are all coming together quite often with the hybrid working the teams still aren't all in one place at one time and they need to be to a degree depending on what the role of that team is will depend on the frequency but yeah those are the key areas I would say Brilliant. Thank you very much. And what are the pain points for an organisation to recognise that something like what you do is going to be of benefit to them? At what point should companies come to you? When should they start thinking or worrying about cohesion and engagement that you've just discussed? Always. You need to be looking at it before it becomes an issue. If you're not doing something about it already, you should be. It's as simple as that. Everybody, every business wants to succeed. But success won't happen without cohesion and engagement. So if you haven't got it in place, you're not going to move forward. You're not going to succeed. It needs to be done regardless. Like I said, whether that's utilising our tools or doing their own stuff, it's so, so important. But we like to try and support them to make that as best it can be. 
Sure. Does it happen kind of naturally for some organisations? Are some organisations naturally better and more cohesive than others? Or does everybody need to take similar steps? I think everybody needs to take similar steps, to be honest with you. It's very rare that you will speak to a firm where there isn't at least one team where there's a problem with cohesion, you know. It only takes an odd one or two people in the team that will completely throw it out. So obviously the cohesion affects the engagement. So it's all a knock-on effect. Have you any real-life examples, and you don't need to name names, but sort of case studies that show how people have used what you have offered for their benefit? The onboarding one's a nice one to use, actually, because we did have a firm that weren't utilising it. They came to us when we were, you know, when we were in and out of lockdown. So what was that, 2020? I kind of lose track on the I don't know, COVID time warp. I've completely, yeah. I don't know even <laughs> know when it was it's, anymore. It's all a bit of a blur. But they had recruited, you know, their business was doing well in lockdown still. And they'd recruited in that period of time. And they had just got to the point where people were starting to come into the office. And there was a bit of a culture clash. And I said, this could have been ironed out if you'd done the onboarding 360 process. And so we ended up having to do coaching off the back of that. So we got everything, everybody up to speed and everything was fine. But from then onwards, we did the onboarding 360 and they didn't have the problem again. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah, the onboarding 360 almost nips it in the bud at the start, doesn't it? Like you said, after 12 weeks. Absolutely, because nobody consciously wants to be doing something that's wrong, do they? You don't ever go out to do it. So it's creating that awareness that that is how you are being perceived, you know? Brilliant. Thank you very much, Donna. Now, to wrap this up, we want, (laughs) hopefully, because everybody likes a bit of a disaster story, the worst piece of advice that you've ever received. Do you know what? I really struggled to find this, and then I realised why, and then it probably gives you your answer. Because if anybody tries to give me advice and I haven't asked for it, (laughs) I won't take it. (laughs) I see. I see. Equally, if somebody tells me, not to do something I am guaranteed to do the complete opposite somebody trying to give me advice that I haven't asked for is always a bad piece of advice if you want me to do that because I won't can you psychometrically test yourself to find out what this what's causing this I don't know but my partner actually if he doesn't want me to do something tells me to do it (laughs) nice nice he's got it sussed here's the thing you may not take advice but you've offered some great advice on this podcast so hopefully everybody's not going to take your route and, and yeah. they will take your advice <laughs> hopefully i do hope so uh donna thank you very much indeed for coming on is in conversation thank you if you've enjoyed donna's advice and found her insights useful and you'd like access to other experts covering all aspects of running a business firstly please do subscribe to the podcast obviously and secondly head to ismianco.com where you'll find all kinds of advice for business leaders Thank you very much indeed for listening.